Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I'm Caffrey, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with the club matches at the weekend, as usual, lads. Um, uh, RT are in the mix on Saturday. It's Westport versus Balna at three o'clock. Not a great time for a match, um, like I always say on a Saturday, but I'll be making time to watch Westport Ballina. Obviously, we know Westport of Lee Keegan, O'McLaughlin, Fionn McDonough, Kevin Keane is at full forward, like Connor uh, was telling us recently. And Ballina, well, they've Parik O'Hora, but they're one of the big traditional teams, obviously, who are looking to win a county title for the first time, I think, since sometime in the naughty. So plenty of interest in this one. The other one then at five o'clock is Ballantubber versus Knockmore. Uh, Knockmore defending champions. Ballantubber won it the two years before that. I don't know what it is about Ballantubber. Tubber, but every time I watch Ball and Tubber matches on television, they're desperately boring kind of games. They have an unusual style Ball and Tubber in a de- pretty defensive style for Mayo football. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards the Westport Ballina one as the big game on the Saturday, Lee. Uh, yeah, and, and like you already mentioned that um, Ball and Tubber are missing Killian O'Connor. There was rumours going around that he'd be featuring or playing some sort of a, a small role, but uh, it, it didn't materialise. They do have Jermot O'Connor and Jason Gibbon in midfield, which is a very strong midfield. And they're up against Knockmore, who are obviously reigning champions. Uh, Kevin McLaughlin's very much their main man, but I would say that, yeah, the Westport and Ballina match is, is definitely the main one. You know, Westport, they just, you know, it's sort of star-studded. Um, you've already mentioned Lee Keegan. You know, a player of the year nomination uh, for the county scene. I don't think he'll win it, but he definitely was deserving of his nomination and he seems to have brought that form into the club season. Owen McLaughlin's back, you know, after his broken jaw. Uh, he got a goal last week, so it's, it's really good to see him back. And yeah, so Westport Ballina, definitely the, the pick of the two. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Westport fan, I have to say. I want them to win it. I'm rooting for them. I love Lee Keegan. I love Westport Town. Um, nice bit, a few surfing beaches, a few miles on past Westport. I just like that area of the world. Crow Patrick's up there. Um, Niall, I'm all over Westport this year. 
a great place to go on your holidays is right. Um, no, anytime I've been listening to to Connor, like he's been been bigging up this Westport team. I suppose from the experience that Lee talked about to the young lads coming through, we know that they won a, an All Ireland Intermediate Club um, f- around five years ago now, and they've been building since then. So, like you'd fancy them to win that game this weekend because Ballina, while they went well last year, they were they were well beaten by Ballantubber in the group stages this year. So. They're probably like aside from Park O'Hora, they're maybe not as strong as they have been. So I'd say the the Ballantubber and Knockmore game will probably be the tighter one, like the the reigning champions against Ballantubber, who've traditionally been the the kingpins of Mayo football. So um, that should be a very tight game. Like Ballantubber, they're missing Killian O'Connor, but they still have like a lot of these lads who've played for Mayo: Michael Plunkett, Brian Walsh, Dermot O'Connor. So. Um, it should be a good Saturday afternoon of Mayo Club football. Yeah, definitely. Traditionally, uh, more the last 10 years, Ballantubber kind of have come to the fore. But yeah, they're quarterfinals as well, not semifinals, by the way. They're only two of the two of the quarterfinals. Sunday then on TG Cahar, the first game is Nave Connell versus Kilcar. We spoke a little bit about this on Monday's show. We know all the spice to this. We know that they drew in the county final of 2020 a couple of months ago. We know the game went to penalties. We know Nave Connell used an extra substitute who went on to score a penalty. We know Kilcar appealed the decision. We know Nave Connell put, or were able to fight that appeal on a technicality. And that's kind of where we're at now. My information is that Kilcar might be dropping that altogether. They might just be going to accept it. Um, even though I do think Nave Connell should have offered them a replay because they were, you know, the guilty parties and the sub did... did um, did score a penalty. Anyways, I, 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 like, I mean, there's going to be nothing between this lead. There's a lot of bit, a lot of spice, you know, on this already. It's not going to be a classic. We know what uh, Donegal club football is like. It's very defensive, and the both teams when they're attacking refuse to bring the ball into contact. There's an awful lot of sideways passing outside the defensive screen, and it can be, it can be a hard watch at times. I just think the added spice on this. Um, you know, will make you sit through some of those prolonged periods of uh, of possession. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be tension just straight from the off, given what happened only a couple of months ago. Um, regardless of what football, even if it's very cagey, you know, like every single score will be met with huge cheers. It'll feel like a winning goal at just everything. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of stars on display, you know, like Leo McLoon and then the likes of, uh, for Kilcar, you know, Paddy McBrady, Ryan McHugh, uh, Mark McHugh all going up against each other, these county stars that know each other very well. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to keep your eyes off it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. Nave Connell, like, I mean, when you look at Kakar's kind of star players and Nave Connell's, Kieran Thompson's probably their best player, you, you, and he's brilliant for them. Nave Connell, I don't know how to do it. When it comes to a, a 50-50 game, they're like a prize fighter. Like, they generally come out on top of these. Like, it was the Guidor three matches in the county final. They mm. came out on top. It was Kilcar, they came out on top. They just grind teams down. Like, they're the best at it. Exactly. Like, I remember watching a few of those games because I have a few friends up in Guidor who played for them. And you just think, Guidor, it's such a talented team. You think they're eventually going to break through here. But Nave Connell, they're just so gritty. And as you said, sort of prize fighters. Like, and I don't know, there's something about this game now, this weekend. Like, as you mentioned, it's kind of... You're not looking forward to maybe this the sideways passing, the screens and all this sort of thing, but there's something about kind of the there's, there's brilliant play I suppose the brilliant players that are there that you're kinda of looking forward to seeing and you're looking forward to seeing them kind of breaking through the screens. Like the likes of you often see Kieran Thompson when he gets his points, it could be at the end 
of like a, a massive kind of sequence of hand passes but then yeah. he shows a bit of brilliance like and you know you kind of there's something about it that you're just looking forward to it and sure the yeah. spice as well like you, you don't want to encourage ever uh, any rows to break out but I'd say if ever there's going to be a row breaking out it might be in that game this weekend then. Yeah, Donegal club football is generally okay for the rows talking about rows Trillick are playing Killy Clotterly so like I mean talk to, <laughs> you can talk to us about this yeah, um, so a lot of county stars going to be playing against each other here. Um, Trillick have got a, a big injury concern at the minute with Matty Donnelly. He was carried off in, in the last match and I haven't heard any updates since on what's going on there. So whether or not he'll be available, I don't know. Uh, his brother, Richie Donnelly, obviously plays, but their star man is Lee Brennan. Yeah, um, He takes the 45s and freeze and he's a sharpshooter all round. I did think that when Fergal and Brian took over, and that he made himself available again because he opted out in uh, Mickey Hart's last two years, I think. Um, I did think he was going to feature a lot more. I thought he'd be the kind of player that they were looking, that sort of difference, that bit of flair. But, you know, he, he didn't feature probably as much as he wanted to, but the club will give him that chance to do so. And it's sort of the same with Kelly Clauher. So Mark Bradley's uh, captain in name. And he sort of had a mixed season in terms of county. Obviously, it's his most successful. You know, he got an All-Ireland and an Ulster, which is obviously amazing and he played a big role in that coming off the bench mostly but he didn't feature at all in the All-Ireland final he did start in the Ulster final and was one of the first subs on but you know he hit the ground running straight away with the club football he got a hat-trick in his first game and Tierney McCann his club mates also playing so he'll be on a similar situation you know use more probably as a as an impact throughout the county scene so yeah club football is it's a real outlet for them and it'll be a really good match Friday night lights as well so something yeah. to watch on a Friday Friday night lights so we've no problem with the club players having to take a half day off work it's just the inter-county players uh, no but that's it that's Friday night lights and uh, no one complained about that anyways that's going on for years uh, club matches on in, on in the evenings the other one that's Friday night the other one on TG Cahar, uh Niall is Patrick Swell versus Kilmallock. You'd imagine on paper Patrick Swell, are, are, they are, I'm sure, favourites uh, to win this. It's the first time they've met uh, in the finals since 1992. I'm surprised at that because we were joking here a couple of weeks ago about you always know that it's going to be uh, Kilmallock, Patrick Swell, um, Adair or Dune. Kilmallock, Patrick Swell, Dune and the Pierce get the semi-finals. But it's never transpired that Kilmallock and Patrick Swell. Interesting, Kilmallock won that game in in 1992 they've won three finals since none of them the three they've won have been against Patrick Swell or Napiersig so I, Patrick Swell need to kind of man up here now and beat Patrick Swell or you know one of the big teams and get back into the mix yeah like on paper Patrick Swell are definitely the the strongest team in Limerick at the moment like it's like I, I think I said it before, but like there's you wouldn't get to anywhere else where you've talent like Aaron Galan, Keane Lynch, and Dermot Burns in the one team. Like that's better than than any club team is going to have. And, well, if you could handpick three players for any club team hurling team in the country, you'd be looking at the centre back, the midfielder, and the high scoring corner forward. It exactly. doesn't get a better. It doesn't. You don't get a better spread of county players than that, do and, you? And I think behind beyond that as well, like they have some very good players as well. Like there's Josh Constantine who was on Limerick underage teams like Jason Galan as well the two O'Briens like so Patrick's well they're very strong on paper I think yeah they've won they've won two county titles in like since since 2016 2016 and 2019 but yeah as you said they'll be kind of going to win one against um, one of the big boys but like Kilmallock they, they're kind of they, as you were describing Nave Connell there kind of just reminded me of, of Kilmallock just these sort of dogs who are always sort of there like you know and I mean dogs I mean that in the in the best sense of the word and that like 
they won the county title in 2014. They went all the way to the All-Ireland Club final that year against Ballyhale. And nine of those lads are still involved. Like nine of them will probably be starting this weekend for Kilmallock, like which is it's a huge sign, like of I suppose a positive sign of those players that they've stayed committed to their clubs, that they've stayed involved. And as well as that, there's a few young lads as well, like Oshin O'Reilly is scoring all around him for them, and sure Gray Mulcahy is still doing the business. Oshin O'Reilly's centre forward, no, he looked really good player. Really good. He scored two four in the semi final against Dune. Like so like Kilmalik will be like for all the the kind of star talent that Patrick's well have like Kilmalik will be no pushovers whatsoever because a lot of the games at the wind are these high scoring games and they just kind of grind them out right okay that's going to be an interesting one there's, there's a semi-final in Kildare Nace are playing Minute. Um this is fairly interesting in that uh, Nace don't have a manager so we don't know what happened here we can't really get to the bottom of it not, I've heard one or two rumours that I can't say on the show because they're not, not confirmed um, so Paul Kelly was doing their job. And remember, Paul Kelly got Thomas Davis to a county final in Dublin. Um, he's Nace manager now and they've been flying it all year. They've won every game. Um, it, well, obviously in the championship, they're in the semi-final. And whatever's after happening between Paul Kelly and the club, Paul Kelly has stepped down before a semi-final. So, like, I mean, Owen Doyle, their county, play, their county, their county centre-back, is now the manager. It's a very weird situation and like, I mean, I'm looking at it like if you're, what's after happening here? We can't speculate on the rumours that are going around but why did, none of the players have, you know, stood beside him to say, here, well, you know, he's either staying or we're not staying. Owen Doyle has taken his job. The cap, you know, probably the captain. So like, I mean, I just don't know what's after happening here. It's a weird one. And so Owen Doyle is after getting a job he, he wasn't looking for now no. at, the, at the start of the year. But um, yeah, it's a weird one because... He'd nearly have to pick the exact same team that Paul Kelly picked. <laughs> or else he'd be seen <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, that's the beef there. But no, like usually when something like this happens and a manager's gone in the middle of the year, it's because the club is going bad. Like Yeah, yeah. Nace have won every game and I think they won, they've won most of them by like 10 or 11 points. Like they beat Johnstown Bridge by 10 points. They've been kind of playing, playing really well. Like, but... Something has happened. There's some sort of row going on. So some people aren't going to be happy. So that will, I'd say it's a strange situation for the Nace players. But those players are going to have to stick together and want to make it all the sweeter for them now if they were to win the next two games and win the, win the county title, like for whoever their, their grudge is with. Like, I don't know who it is. Like, but. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing, Lee. I suppose the manager has set this structure in place. The training has obviously been very good. He's picked the team. He has them playing the way they want to play. I suppose Owen Doyle is just going to say to them, lads, let's keep the way we're, we're going. You know, they could get a bit of a, a, a siege mentality, a bit of, you know, let's do this for him if they're behind him. Let's do this for the club and show that it's not all his work if they're against it. You know, they could get a little bit of a, a kind of a siege going. And like, I mean, I suppose outside of a little bit of, you know, tweaks to your tactics and a bit of work on the opposition, like at club level, is that as important? To cl- usually club clubs know each other inside out. Yeah, I mean, like... Due to COVID and stuff, the the word unprecedented has been completely overused, but this is just so hugely unprecedented in in every respect. I mean, this late on in the season for uh, the manager just to leave and for there to be no clear-cut reason as to why is is so bizarre. Owen Doyle has a... a, Yeah, I mean, like you already mentioned, yes, they've just picked the same team because favouritism and everything else will come in the way. Uh, If it was a, a situation where it was maybe a player struggle in terms of falling out with the squad... Maybe that was because of tactics. I mean, I don't know. You'd feel like 
because of the momentum that they've had and they've won every game and they've got to the semi-final and they're so close to their first final in such a long time that you'd feel that like the only players who could really be that upset are maybe the ones who aren't playing. But by and large, you would think the ones playing, you know, are are happy enough with it. So, yeah, I mean, like Siege, what, what, what a story it'll make. You know, Siege mentality is definitely the right term to use if they were just to, to grit down. You know, all the hard work's been done. You know, they've done the preseason. The fitness is there. They know their tactics down to the T. They've got the momentum behind them. It is just sort of a matter of carrying it forward. Um, And what a story it would be if they did it. Yeah, I think at this stage they probably could do it themselves. It'll be an interesting one. Keep your eye out for Kilkenny hurling semi-finals. We know Tullerone playing a Lachlan Gales. Paddy Deegan watch. Tommy Walsh watch. That's all I'm saying on that. That's enough to tee that one up. Paddy Deegan at full forward. Um, JJ Delaney at full forward. Um, we have but JJ Delaney's a different club altogether, as we know. Ballyhale Shamrocks versus James Stevens. We remember that absolute classic that James Stevens probably should have won, and Cheddar was out leaning over the the railing. Um, that was on TG Cahar. It was a Friday night, wasn't it, uh, Niall? That that this was uh, drama was going I on. I think it was a Saturday afternoon, Saturday. but I'll never forget it. <laughs> it was fantastic. So keep your eye out for that. One other game we want to mention before we get into a bit of news here, um, because there's a big bit of news regarding King Henry um, is the Cork hurling quarterfinal is Douglas versus Blackrock we know what um, yeah that's the game we want to focus on Aaron Zoner playing Middleton Immokilly playing Glen Rovers they're all big they're all big ones you'd argue Immokilly Glen Rovers is the biggest one but Douglas versus Blackrock we were looking at this Niall because on Monday we wanted to talk about Douglas only I rushed on past it and, and forgot about it like we were looking at this because I was looking at Douglas and I looked down through their team and I was like, where are the Cadigans? You know, I'm pretty sure Shane Kingston kicks football. None of them were kicking football. And then you go, I was saying to you, are they all hurling? You says, all of them are hurling. Douglas only have one dual player. Out of all their players that can play both, only uh, Brian Hartnett, who's a county footballer, is hurling and kicking football. How big is Douglas that they can manage to, to, to not use their dual players? That was the first question in my mind and I looked it up to see they have a population of like 26,000 so ah, well that's then. like 4,000 more than Port Leash <laughs> like, so it is a big place like because yeah. for dual clubs the dual clubs I think is straight away is Lockmore, Castellani and Cratlow and between their hurling and football it's nearly the same thing like it's nearly 10, 10 players playing each like you know both teams are the same but Douglas obviously they have a, they have a big pick um, as you mentioned, like Shane Kingston, I was looking it up this morning. He he kicked minor football for Cork. Alan Cadigan actually played senior for Cork in the league a few times. It should be no own Cadigan won in All Ireland, and just so this isn't a case. But I can understand your your argument saying right, Douglas is big, so they actually tell children hurling our football. Douglas have dual players that are proven footballers, only they're not using them. Do you know what I mean? They have, I wonder have they made they obviously ha- actually they obviously haven't made them choose, or else Brian Hartnett wouldn't be playing both. So these lads have decided only to play one code for their club. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to c- criticise him too much. I'm looking at Conal Keeney playing Jewel for Ballyboden and he's 39 and he loves it. Why would you not? It, I think that kind of goes against what the club is about. Surely you turn out for the two teams and help both teams for your, for your club. It's not like they're, they're training the shite out of you. You know, like at Intercounty or the commitment's too much. Can you not play a game every Saturday? Is it a sign of that though? Maybe Wooly that. Um, yeah, but club, I don't want that to come into club. I know, but it must be. It must be something to do with that. Like the clubs, do you know, they're training so often, and maybe the hurling team is training so much that the boys can't do train both. with the footballers. Like because Douglas, they've like they've some brilliant footballers: Sean Powder, Kevin Flaff, these boys in the Cork seniors. And should they be well able to hurl too? Like, but it's just. Yeah. Um, but maybe they didn't. Now I'm from a big club, Port Leash. Now I never hurled. Like I do. Mm. Reg- I don't. I don't know why. There's one or two in my class I remember hurl. I don't remember ever being asked to hurl or anybody say. I don't remember ever saying no. I don't want to. 
just don't remember it happening. I think I played soccer, I played Gaelic football, I played rugby. Hurling was never kind of offered to, offered to me, which is probably a, you know, it, it's it's a bit of a uh, a slight on my school and Portleash as well um, that I wasn't. Maybe, maybe at underage level, they don't mind that separation. I, I'm not too sure. Maybe we can go out for a puck here one today as well, Ian. We'll, we'll, we'll get you started. But um, no, the... Um, I remember, like, we were saying this morning, I think Nafina brought in the, the same rule when, when Pillar Caffrey was the manager, but yeah. I, was, I was on to lad from Nafina this morning because I thought that rule was, was still in place, but they have one lad who plays, um, who plays both hurling and football, and he was telling me that a few lads started at the, at the start of the year, they said they'd give both a try, but obviously decided in the middle of the year that they weren't able to do it, so... It could be just a sign of that the the commitment required is just increasing and increasing, and lads feel that they just want to commit to one code. It is it is a sad thing to see, but like I suppose when Lockmore and Cratlow, at least that thing is still going in some clubs. Yeah. But other clubs are taking it a bit more serious. I I think it was a sad thing to see even at inter county level, and you accept that Lee, but at club level, you know I think that's going too far. I I remember when we won the county final two thousand and four, we won the double. We had about five, five or six lads playing both. And we just wouldn't have them. The footballers wouldn't have them the week of the hurling match. And we get on with it. We're training. We're training every second week. We have them to build up to the match. And then the jewel fellas were telling me, this is fantastic. We never have a boring week, as in the two weeks before the match. Every week that we train is in the build up to a big game. We bloody love it. So I, I don't know, has that always kind of you know, made me bias against why would he, why would you not want to play a match every weekend and have your training, you know, the, the, you know, the really enjoyable week of a match training? Yeah, I mean, like, it sort of falls into, like, it's not so much maybe that it's the, the training so difficult and that the matches are so draining and everything because, um, you know, they'll be tapering themselves pretty well. But sometimes you can just be sick of looking at a, a set of football posts or, or GAA posts, you know, regardless and just being out Every evening, it doesn't really matter what it is you're doing, but it, it can become a little bit monotonous. But then the opposite argument to that is, of course, like, you know, if your football isn't going particularly well, you're really enjoying your hurling or vice versa. Like one's always like um, one can always be a release. And yeah. then if both are going well and you're you're absolutely flying. Um, I I manage these Belfast ladies uh, football team. And this is obviously on a much lower scale. But like we have dual players, you know, a handful of the girls, they play camogie. And we, we just work it. So they play their matches on a Wednesday. So they just don't train with us on a Tuesday. But they come and, you know, if they're available, they come and they help me out. You know, they lift the cones and everything else and they be around the team talks. And then they, with the Kabogs, they would train on a Friday. But the football matches are on a Saturday. So they don't train for them, you know. So it works out well enough. And that, you know, it's just it's just a matter of managing it. And I know that's on a much uh, lower scale. But you got to have two managers from the football side and the, and the, the Camogie hurling, whatever it is, side, uh, be sympathetic to the fact that, you know, and, and be um, transparent with it as well and, and just understanding that, you know, that this is a, a young person. You've only got really 10, maybe 20 years, like, of playing sport, you know, and you've you got to give it a good go while you're fitting up to do so. Yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely it. There has to be a good relationship. But it's an interesting one. If this continues on, I don't know. Imagine it'll only happen in small clubs that don't have numbers and, you know, they, they have to... They have to do it. The other big, the obviously big news breaking last night is that uh, Henry Shefflin's going to manage Galway. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody. His name wasn't mentioned. This man, more than happy. He's the Sunday game kind of star man. He's the most decorated hurler in history. Three player of the years. Two All-Irelands. And, and he's warming up. He's sitting around, everybody thinks, waiting for Cody. Cody's only got one more year. And that's it. 
Henry Scheffler was never going to any other county. It was, it knocked me off my seat last night, Now, honestly. Nobody saw this coming because Davy, uh, Davy must be sick. Like, I mean, Davy had gone around, got a brilliant backroom together because his backroom team in Wexford, I think, you know, had gone away and done other things. He he almost got the old band from Clare 2013 back together. Louis Mulqueen in the mix. And Henry comes out of absolutely nowhere. It'll be a real sort of a stomach punch for Davy to take, like, because especially when you're kind of like half, I'm not saying he was offered the job, when you're half offered the job, you think you have it and then they kind of just go for someone else. Like, you know, it's as if you're second choice. Like, so it's a tough one to take for him. But as you said, yeah, like Henry was kind of seen, I don't know, it was nearly like it was a rite of passage that he was going to take over from Brian Cody. But I suppose when this offer just came up for, came up for him, he was probably just thinking, Do you know, Brian Cody is there and he could be there forever. Like, he's showing no signs He's showing no signs of wanting to leave or wanting out yet. Like so, yeah. um, Henry just said like this opportunity. Like Galway, I know they had a disappointing year last year. Like, but like I was looking through the ages of those players this morning. Like Dahi Burke's only twenty eight. Like Connor Cooney's twenty eight. Cahill Mannion's twenty six. Like we know about all the minor teams that they've won all Ireland's with. They've been in all Ireland under twenty finals as well. Like so, Galway have so much talent and. It would have been a tough one for for Henry to to turn down. Like, yeah, that's sure. a very attractive job. Like, they were mm. one of the favourites for the All Ireland this year, and they had a bad, you know, they had a bad championship. Exactly, and should like they like I've seen anyone you've been talking to or seen from Galway, should they're absolutely delighted. Like, because what a big name Henry is, first of all, but as well as that, he's a brilliant managerial record so far. Like every championship he's entered as a club manager, he's won. Like that's from Kilkenny, Leinster, All Ireland. He's won six championships between them and he's in his seventh now with Thomastown and has them back to a semi-final. And I think that Thomastown job will, will stand him here because, do you know, when he's managing Ballyhale, it's his own club and maybe, like, do you know, he'd know his way around the place, know all the lads and it would be fairly, I suppose, it'd be easy enough in one way to manage your own club. But to get to know the Thomastown boys and to see how you sort of get on in that situation, like, that'll stand him here when he moves out to Galway. Yeah, no, it definitely will. So does he ring Joe Canning, Lee, do you think? Like, I mean, I'd say Joe Canning, in a way, is really pissed off with disappointment because Joe Canning, he's after retiring, he's more than happy with his decision. Joe have done it, you know, um, and he, he doesn't want to get into punditry. You know, he probably focused on the business, hurled a bit with Portum, and I think he got injured. Now with an appointment like this, and if he gets the phone call off Henry Shefflin... Like, if he's 100% happy with his decision, does that go down to 80% now? Or ha- <laughs> what's Joe Canning thinking? Uh, it probably has to, to be fair. I mean, he, he actually recently came out, it might have been an off the ball or something, and they sort of poked the question, you know, would would you be one of these players that could ever potentially come out of retirement or give it another go? And he was just, you know, point blank, no, no way, definitely not me. I'm, I'm very stubborn like that. And I'm wondering now, is maybe regretting saying that? Because obviously, them quotes could be thrown against him if, if uh, his mind were to change. But surely, it must just be like, like your curiosity must be peak. You know, this is maybe, you know, Kilkenny's like greatest ever hurler maybe and the chance to work with him because you're never going to work for him, you know, with, with Kilkenny or anything. So, and I think he took his record earlier on this summer. So there's a bit of that between them. And like, I mean, it, it, made, it wouldn't be a great story to see uh, like that it took that sort of stardom and, and the actual the sheer respect you must have for Henry to coax someone like uh, Joe out of retirement. I mean, that, that, that'd be a brilliant story and I'd love to see it. Yeah, no, definitely. Henry was saying earlier this year, he says, um, he was saying that inter-county management didn't really, didn't, wasn't on the horizon for him, that it didn't kind of suit him. Um, I'm not sure where he had been saying that. But like, I mean, it's three hours to Galway. 
Like it's a big commitment. Three hours there, three hours back. That's from Ballyhale now. It's less from Kilkenny City, but Ballyhale must be on the other side um, of Kilkenny. It's it's a big commitment for him, you know, and he, he'll have to give up his Sunday game job. Do you know what I mean? This must have just been an offer he couldn't refuse. Yeah, well, I suppose yeah. Like it's a, it's a big, it's a big commitment for for Henry to make. Like, and because it is a, it is such a long drive. But I suppose it it does come back to that. Like he, you know, he sees himself as like obviously when he was managing Ballyhale, Thomas sound like he's a he's a manager now. And like when you get an opportunity like that, yeah, like you're going to find it very hard to turn it down. Like because like, top, top three team in the country. Like mm. I suppose the next step from club. <gasps> You going to wait around from Kilkenny forever, or does he take the? You know, you'd have a bit of respect for him for ta- for taking it. And he could be waiting around forever with Kilkenny, like you know. So um, yeah, no, I'd say like, and as you were mentioning there about Joe Canning, like there were always sort of parallels drawn, weren't there, between him and Henry when they were playing? Like, and I know Joe's retired now, but wouldn't it be? I think everyone would love to see it, Joe hurling under Henry if it was just for oh, a yeah. year, just to. It'd be great to I'd see, like, it. wouldn't it? Yeah, Henry definitely playing full forward too. You could be sure of it. Especially at Joe's age as well. He might pump one or two long ones um, down on top of him. Um, restrictions are being lifted. So we know tomorrow, not going to go on about this too much, but there's some restrictions, not all. Um, we won't get into the nightclub uh, social distancing. Um, or <laughs> that'll, well, affect, we <laughs> that'll affect the two of you more than me, lads. I'm too old. How are you going to deal with this? Anyways, but... Uh, some restrictions being lifted tomorrow. So sporting venues are going to be allowed to operate 100% capacity outdoors. That's from Friday on. It doesn't affect club anyways, lads, because we know at the moment it's half and there's no county grounds going to be more than half full for any of these club matches anyway. So it doesn't affect GEA uh, by the time the GEA want that. It could be February and we could all be locked in our houses again. Who knows the way, the way these things um, are going. The big thing, Niall, is that there's been no word on dressing rooms. So, like, I mean, I was on to the GEA about this and they said they hadn't heard anything. Do you know what I mean? They haven't heard anything. Like, I mean, this for me, this is not on. So if they're waiting for direction from the government to do the right thing, right, to open the dressing rooms, it's freezing now. It's back freezing. We went through about a week there of nice enough mild weather. It's back freezing now and teams have no... In fact, I heard anecdotally that leash clubs involved in the hurling this weekend have been told there'll be no dressing rooms this weekend. Like, I mean, what's going on here? And can the right thing not be done? Can common sense, and there's, there's, there are examples from all over the country of clubs completely disregarding this and allowing teams to use the dressing room. And I would be very proud of them because this is total bullshit and it shouldn't be allowed to go on any longer. So there'll be lads going to nightclubs, they're opening on Friday night and on Sunday morning when they're training they won't be allowed into their dressing rooms. Yeah. Maybe they should start dancing in the dressing rooms or something and it might be safe then. Someone else said uh, tug out in the local dance floor. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> go down to the match. But it is time, isn't it, that the the GA like if they're wait like they've been waiting on the government and they've kind of standing yeah. on ceremony waiting for them. Yeah, it's time that they just kind of took the lead now and stood up for their members and just said like we're going to do this now because as we've seen with the restriction announcement, we won't get into it um, about the nightclubs and stuff like that. But n- not much of that makes sense. Like so. The GA just need to stand up and and make make their point now and let let the dressing rooms be opened. Like yeah, no, I completely agree. Like I mean, and I think like we said before, and I, I I'll go off this point now. A year ago, they got so much PR for keeping people safe. Now people want to keep people safe by opening the dressing rooms. Or oh, the GA need to catch up with that. And for a, from a PR point of view, open the dressing rooms, let people talk out out inside like I mean we won't say it anymore on the show Tommy Walsh is retired Lee um, 
a freak of nature, you would call this fella, 2008, 2009, come out of minor, monster of a man. He was very, very fast. Um, he was huge. Um, he could catch over his head. He had left and right. He was an incredibly accurate player, um, you know, back then. Went to St Kilda, had that, went to Sydney Swans and St Kilda, St Kilda first, um, and made shit of his hamstring. He tore it off the bone. You know, the worst hamstring injury, uh, which that kind of put pay to his Aussie rules career. Then came back from for Kerry. Had slowed down a good bit when he came back. Still influential enough, but not that kind of swashbuckling, Jesus, like a beast of a man back in 2008. Yeah, I mean, I think people forget about the sort of impact that Tommy Welsh had. Yeah. Um, it was sort of like David Clifford-esque, actually. I mean, because... And when you think about it, it was nearly more impressive because the team he broke on to in like 2007, 2008, you know, like, I mean, it had the good shit, uh, Kieran Donahue, Paul Galvin and stuff. And he, he's like 20 years old, straight into that team yeah. and a mainstay in that team. And what an impact he was. Uh, that 2008 season, him and Kieran Donahue just terrorized everyone. They were the they were called the Twin Towers and anyone they came up against, like he was just unstoppable. And they actually played Tyrone in that final in 2008. And Mickey Hart was so obsessed with the whole Twin Towers and with Tommy Walsh in particular that he um, put Justin McMahon and Joe McMahon uh, on him, on both of them, because they were the both, they could match, they were the closest that they had that could match that sort of like physical prowess. And then in the A&B games, they would have like, Collie Holmes, Sean Cavanaugh marking them. And then he even started throwing up the two goalkeepers to come up just to throw the high ball under them and see, just to get used to what it'd be like to mark them. Yeah. Now, they did they did do a good job in that final, but they I'm did. just that, that's how much respect that, they, that Mickey had for him, you know, and him only 20 years old. Now, the next year he came back again, he won the All-Ireland, got Young Player of the Year. And it just, like, I'm sure Gary people thought, like, how they see David Clifford now in terms of like, well, he's going to play for us for years and he's going to be this brilliant always. Uh, but like you say, he went off, you know, he played AFL, he, he suffered a really, really bad injury, that that hamstring off the bone. Like that, that's that's really what affected Michael Owen's career. It happened to him like, uh, when he was at Liverpool and, you, you know, as soon as he lost that yard of pace and then he was never the same again. Um, Tommy Walsh did very good in terms of he's always going to be influential. He had to change his role. He became an impact sub and he still strike fear into anyone who uh, coming up against the Kerry team and you're seeing him coming off the bench uh, against Tyrone in the semi-final this year. I seen him coming off the bench and, and I was scared. I was just sort of like, God, he's just such a menace. And, he, you know, he's, he, you throw the ball into him and it could be really chaotic and he could pull them out of it. Now, I know he missed that point right at the end. It sort of maybe could have equalised it and stuff. But yeah, I mean, with Jack O'Connor, Jack O'Connor, the manager, and that's who he played his best football under, I thought he may have stayed on a little while, but he maybe just wasn't willing to you know, give that sort of commitment known full well that it would be an impact role more than anything. Yeah, maybe that was it. Because you would think maybe Jack O'Connor might be kind of fond of the 14 kind of highball option. But obviously, you wouldn't know Tommy Walsh could have had a conversation with him. Maybe Tommy Walsh has just had enough. Like he kind of did make that big comeback, you know, two or three three years ago now, um, you know, to come back and give it another go. And maybe three years is enough of a commitment um, for him. Terrible nice fella Tommy Walsh is. I've met him on a few occasions and all the best to him. A fantastic player, great player to watch. And you're right. I, I, I do take that point, Lee, that especially even maybe people year age, Maybe not Julie, because you would have watched that 2008 uh, season very, very closely, you know, with Tyrone obviously winning. But Tommy Walsh was a, uh, like a, just like, wow. 
Just, he's like the Terminator. Like he was just, you know, on another level. And then you're being told, oh, he's a forward. Yeah, he's playing the forwards, but his best position is midfield. And you're thinking he's the new Darrow Shea. And he, this lad, it's just incredible. And then we lost him to Aussie rules. And it's, like, we're being honest, he didn't come back the same player. He still came back an effective player, but he, he, wasn't, he wasn't as agile, you know, as he was um, before he left. But you think of him, the size he is, a little bit less, a little bit leaner, with incredible pace. And just burn, running at lads. He liked going at lads, which is just, and going past them for someone that big. Um, yeah, so it was interesting how his career turned out. He had an excellent career. Like, he's two all, he's two all Ireland's. Um, other bit of news this week is Keane O'Neill is the new Galway coach. Keane O'Neill is fairly well travelled, lads. Jesus. Like, he's been with Kerry. He's been with the uh, Tipperary Hurlers. He's managed Kildare. He's been with Mayo. He's been with Cork most recently. And I find it funny with these coaches in that... You get a reputation as a coach. Like, his reputation now shouldn't be fantastic. You know, he's in with Cork. Had, hasn't had two good years in there at all. But he's still highly rated enough. With Kildare, things went pear-shaped with him. But he still is highly rated enough. You know, like, I mean, he did pretty well with the Mayo uh, footballers, Kerry footballers. Like, the thing about coaches, which I find interesting, is, like, are you a coach that warms the team up and kind of a, a fitness coach which a lot of these lads are, they're great at drills and whatever, but they can't tell you how to play the game. Or are you a coach like a Jim McGuinness-style coach who gets down a Paul Canerk in hurling, who gets down in the training field and talks you through the way you want the team to play? Say, this is what the ball we want going in, work on it. This is the way we want you playing in the defence, breaking out of pace, work on it. They're coaches I like. That's what I call a coach. I think anyone get a team fit. Mikko Dwyer used to get us fit sending us on bloody 30 laps a night. I think that's overblown. I know variety and making the training enjoyable um, is important. But isn't playing a match the most enjoyable thing you'll ever do at training? So, like, I mean, let's not get over kind of carried away with these these uh, coaches that are good at getting you fit and good at making training, uh, you know, having a variety to training. How about... The coaches like Canark, like Jim McGuinness. Maybe Keane O'Neill can do this, but the, the guys who spend the night talking you through your game plan and playing a match, and if you're not playing the way he wants you to play, blow the whistle. Why do you do that? They're the coaches I have time for, uh, Niall. Like, I mean, uh, I'm not sure what type of coach Keane O'Neill is. He has been a manager, I suppose, so maybe he can do a bit of both. Yeah, I'd say he's a coach, like, with nearly at this stage a bit of everything going yeah. on, like with he started the, off strength and conditioning kind of coach. I yeah, and when Tip won the All Ireland in two thousand and ten, his his title he was the fitness coach. Like so, he was just yeah. in, getting the team in in top physical fitness. But like, yeah, he's been around like from from going from there to becoming a manager. Like it's not the kind of traditional path that a, a coach would would follow. So like, he has lots of different experience in lots of different kind of jobs in lots of different areas, and I suppose you're. For Galway, they're just hoping that the experience is good experience and that it stands to him, and that he he will do a good job at them. Like yeah, we even had uh, different managers I've had with Leash down through the years, and they'd have coaches in under them, and sometimes one coach might be a, de- a defense a defensive coach and and the other lad would be an attacking coach, and one would go away and work with the defenders sometimes, another work with the attackers and stuff, but it was never joined up. Like the two t- aren't two separate things. Like one has to co- they join in the middle, and and that's your game plan. How you get from one to the other, and where the other needs to be. Because if you're talking about your defenders, where's your half forward line? I mean, do you want your half forward line to be still up there? They will be up there if you're only working with the forwards, 
and disabled defenders. How does this marry into the whole game plan? Do you do you get me, Lee? A lot of these, a lot of the time, these lads will have a, a selector that works with the backs, and where and there's never kind of this one big co- connection between the whole thing that Paul Kinnerk or Jim McGuinness can put on a team and practice the whole thing and say, lads, it's not perfect. Go out and play the game the way, you know, you make up your own mind on the field, but this is the way we're trying, you know, this is the way we want to play. Yeah, no, completely. I think with GA coaches especially, um, they become a little bit obsessed with trying to find the next new philosophy and so they look to other sports and it's always very good to get inspiration from different sports and different things but that's very American football you know you take the positions and then they train on their own and you split the two teams and, and divide them all together and then they come together on match day and I, th- I think that's just sort of a borrowed philosophy it never really made sense to me because it's a team sport um, you could, like you say I mean sometimes especially in the modern game you know the, the transition from back to attack and back again is, is, is so fluid everyone knows their role and, and their job in that and they're quite often doing both and um, depending on what position that you're at um, in terms of co- like and there's lots of ways you can be a coach I don't know what way Keen is um, I, I suppose if maybe if a manager like you say has a certain type of style of play maybe they could have a coach to lean on in the terms of I want to play football this way I want to play this real uh, running game everything's through the hands and we're you know we need them to be fit and fast and all go forward and move back in the same yeah. uh, motion and then the, it's up to that coach to then come up with the drills and the, the plans for that based on the manager's wishes you know he puts in the actual groundwork under the guidance of the manager I mean, to me that sort of works well as a coach that makes a lot of sense but then you have coaches like or manager coaches like Rory Gallagher who are on you know in the middle of the field and they're doing you know barking orders and doing everything from managing it getting the right type but you know he's a bit of, I think he's good like you know OCD pure perfectionist that make sure everything's done correctly there's lot, lots of different ways to do it I, c- I couldn't really say what way Keane is but no definitely not the, the splitting between backs and attacks and everything else the only the only position that should uh, have its own individual training is, is a goalkeeper because obviously they have different things that they need to work on yeah, they're on their own um, individual train. And then if you go in to, as a coach under a manager and you've got some great ideas and you're coaching the, the, the team pretty well, he gets all the credit for everything you're doing. Because as far as I'm concerned, your game plan and the coaching is the most important, is the most, most important thing. Another way, you go in and, you know, you're not the best coach in the world. Your manager's pretty good and you're dragging the bat. Like, I don't know. I, I think the manager and the coach... I, the, the perfect scenario is the Jim McGuinness and Rory Gallagher where they're actually doing the two together but then are you are you missing out on the fella who kind of overlooks everything you know because you're stuck down in the middle of it it's a, it's a it's definitely a different, difficult dynamic but absolutely the manager and the coach have to be 100% on the same wavelength have to believe in the game plan because you can't tell a coach come in here and do so, and the coach Jesus you know I don't really you know that's not we'll do it but you know you don't believe in it you have to be on the same page um, which which is really important. Have you something to say on that, Dave? Uh, well, like I'd say, that's that's the most important thing, um, as you said, Wooly, is that they're on the same wavelength. Like in that, like I'd say, it could be difficult at times being a coach if if like just take say like Stephen Rochford working under Declan Bonner. Like he'd probably have his own ideas, and like maybe he wants to play a different way. Maybe they want to play the same way, but like it's two personalities coming together, and I'd say oftentimes there could be a clash between the manager and the coach because. Like the coach is obviously a like a very skilled individual, but the manager is the boss at the end of the day. Like so, they're going to make the calls. Well, that's the thing, and like I mean, I don't know. I would just hate to be in a manager manager setup, not being able to do the things the way I want to do them, and my reputation being affected 
buy that. You know what I mean? I just, I, I don't know. I think it's manager or nothing and I'd be a dictator. I'd have no selectors. Um, I'd do the coaching myself and I'd fall out with half the panel uh, <laughs> three months in. No, I would definitely need some selectors to calm me, calm me down um, um, at times. Um, last story on this, lads, is Shane Walsh. He's calling for a TMO. Now, we know Shane Walsh. You were talking to him yesterday and I'll start here with you. Like, we know why he's saying this. So he got bundled to the ground against Galway. Now, I've seen the video of this. Shane Walsh pulled the Mayo player. Some people say it's Porico Horace. Some people saying Lee Keegan. It looked like Lee Keegan to me. He pulled the Mayo player back. And the Mayo player got him and flipped him onto the ground. Now, the two of them fell to the ground together. Shane Walsh had a terrible injury. I don't think there was any intent in it. Um, I think if Shane Walsh wants to kind of give out about, you know, this kind of cynical stuff, he shouldn't have been pulling jerseys, stopping his man going up the field. Shane Walsh is probably the fastest player in the whole country. Why are you doing that? Why are you initiate? You're the brilliant class forward. Why are you initiating something that a defender is more than happy to get into this wrestling match with you? I'd have Shane have a look at himself in the mirror. I completely disagree with TMOs. I don't, know, I don't understand the point of them. We literally have two umpires standing behind that, that thing. What are they doing? What's the linesman doing? And they say, oh, we need more eyes on the game. There's two, four, six, eight umpire eyes, never used or rarely used. And then you have another uh, four on the sideline. Eight and four, 12, and two of the referee. 14 eyes in that match. And you want another one. <laughs> Is that not enough? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, You want uh, another pair now, not just one. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't think the TMO, like it... When you see it in soccer, it's like every... You know, the excitement nearly of a game is that you kind of get away with the odd little thing and you're kind of waiting on, did the whistle go? It didn't go right or away. When you're watching a soccer game now, you're just waiting for everything to be pulled back yeah. to the bar and it's just, it takes the excitement sort of yeah. out of it. You won't accept any mistake. You're like, why didn't that go? You know, and some people don't agree even on them. So half the people say that should have gone to VAR. The other people say it wouldn't. I think VAR's messed it up, up soccer completely. And then you've got the absolutely disgraceful dynamic of you're on the... I've been over to watch Everton several times. And on the Gladys Street end, when Everton score, it's the best bloody minute of your life. You go crazy and it's mental. It's like being in a mosh pit. And then by the time you calm down, oh, by that, that goal didn't stand. Give me a break. That's not, that's not sport. Yeah, like... Like it kind of ta- it just takes away from the the real like excitement of it and the the buzz of something just happening in the moment. Like it just takes away from the moment and like people have kind of been they've been calling for the the TMO, but they'll be calling for the TMO every time something yeah. a little bit controversial happens. And it just I don't think it would really go well. And you know, like I was I was as you said I was talking to Shane Walsh yesterday, and I have to say of all the inter-county players I've, I've ever interviewed he was nearly the most chatty of anyone like I asked him I think it was two questions and he was nearly going on for, for 10 minutes just a, a great talker but the, he kind of brought up the TMO thing it was about he was talking about Club GA and how at times there'd be lads sent out and I'd say he would get this I think he plays intermediate football where lads are just taking him down the whole time and I, I don't think the TMO thing came exactly from the O'Hora oh, or Keegan that incident, incident right. I don't think we're going to get TMO and Club GA for a long time no anyway. it's just not going to happen and I suppose that's for donkey's years the best player at club level is targeted I got it literally all my career and you just deal with this I'm sure Shane's well able to deal with it I don't know because I've seen I think it was Marco Shea during the summer was on about a TMO and it, some people going on about it I don't know Lee I, I, personally I would hate it for the good it would do You'd be going to it too often, maybe. And some incidents, when you analyse it and slow it down, people can't agree on it. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I mean, if you can't agree on it on the Sunday game, two pundits, I might disagree with what they were saying. That was a sending off. Jeez, I didn't, didn't look at to me, lads. 
Sure, if you can't, a lot of these things you can't necessarily agree on. Just let the referee decide on it. Yeah, that's it. In some cases, it can't undermine the referee's decision because no matter what it is, uh, a foul or a point or whatever it is, it's it's all pretty objective. So just because you slow it down, it doesn't make it any less objective. It's still it's up to someone to make a decision based on what you're viewing, and that decision could be different to someone else. Now, but the interesting thing about TMO is that like Crow Park actually already have it. Um, we me and the girlfriend went to Dublin earlier on in the summer, and we had time to kill. So. We went and did the Croke Park tour and the tour guy was showing us all around and he was talking about how only recently he got asked to do hockey during the matches and he said they can see everything up there. They can see off the ball incidents and everything, but they're not allowed to call the referee at all on it. They have no like say in it or whatever. It's only purely for uh, incidents with hockey. Right. But, so it actually is there and it's in place. And if it was not maybe a tour guy, but a, a match official, you know, it would actually be an easy enough transition to do. That's not that's not to say they should. It's just it actually wouldn't be the most uh, impossible thing ever because it sort of half is in place. I would absolutely hate to see it in terms of like every tackle and then every goal and then because it, it'll be you score a goal but then you pull it back because in the build up of the goal oh, actually someone yeah. pulled someone's jersey. Yeah, and that would be a real nightmare. Well, like I mean, there may be something in like every every red card should be viewed and maybe a double check and if they can watch it, that's fine. You know, yeah. but like nothing to do with scores or anything that might slow the game down in that. Because a red card, you know, that's a very serious offence. Someone's obviously done something so extreme in terms of bending the rules that they it, it maybe do deserve a review because it's going to be reviewed anyway afterwards in terms of their suspension. So if you could get that sorted on the pitch, that wouldn't be the worst in the world. But yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe like yeah, it's a good point to bring up before we finish up. Like, I mean, there's nothing um, there's nothing more kind of, you know, annoying and a rugby match, you might see the, one of the best tries you've ever seen, and then a TMO is called, and it's actually oh, it's it's cancelled because there was a tiny slight forward pass, about five passes before this brilliant try was. Oh my god! Like imagine the Corrafin. Remember the brilliant Corrafin goal in the All Ireland Club final, the brilliant hand pass goal. Imagine a TMO was called for that, and I was seeing that what the first throw, the first hand pass, and that was a slight throw. Ah, uh-uh, no lads. TMO says, you know, we have to pull it back. You know, I think it would be a disaster um, in the GA. Right, we'll leave it there for part one, lads. Oh, before I go, any of you haven't? There's not much to say on this other than Dublin announced their alternate jersey. Um, usually nothing special about this, but they have modelled it on the Argentina jersey. So if you haven't seen this jersey yet, it's it's one of the nicest jerseys I've ever seen. It's basically the Argentina jersey in GEA form and it's the Dublin light blue. It's the same colours and it's a Dublin jersey. I'm extremely jealous um, and I will be buying one. Um, it just has to be done. So we'll all be, we, we could all be, it's bad enough people in Kildare and Mead giving out about children wearing Dublin jerseys, you know, with the Dublin parents. Now they have to pull out incredible jerseys like this. So it's definitely going to keep happening. All right, we'll leave it there for the, or we'll leave it there um, for part one, lads. I'm coming back with Conor Heenahan and we're going to do some countdown to Congress. So I'm pulling you in for the Congress chat, um, Connor, because I think the two lads are, are kind of fed up with it um, a little bit. I'm not fed up with it at all. If anything, my excitement is getting even higher as we're two days out from this absolutely huge decision. Congress is, I think it's 11 o'clock until 2 o'clock on Saturday. Um, the, the situation we stand at now, Connor, is there's 183 votes on Saturday. We need 110 votes. I feel like like there's a general election, only had never any interest in politics. I finally know what this buzz feels like. 
really reminds me of the US presidential election, really, particularly <laughs> not not maybe not maybe the Irish one. Going back to uh, November time, where you're glued into CNN and you see the map of America, and you have all the the states coloured in different codes. I actually saw a map like that this morning, which had indicated the um, the the counties that are, that were in favour come out in favour of proposal B and those who hadn't, and then there was a different colour then for those who were letting their uh, letting their delegates speak for themselves at uh, at Congress on Saturday. So as much as I suppose like you tire of all the procedural talk around it that's gone on for months and months, now it's the exciting time. Now we're only a couple of days out. So, you know, I'll be glued to uh, be glued to Twitter and awarding yourself come Saturday, no doubt. That's the thing. The huge one here that, that stands out to me when you look at the voting is that the overseas uh, counties, county boards, have 38 out of the 183 votes which is huge and sometimes you don't even think of them I'm glued to the 32 counties and like you said there is a map off the ball AM did one and you're looking at it and you're seeing who's doing what Who only two counties have come out and said no so far but it looks like every single Ulster province is going to vote no and I think we, I think that can be absorbed because that doesn't even have the same amount of voting as the entire province of Ulster the overseas have more more votes Overseas, if I'm right in saying, have more than a third of the votes of the rest that are spread across the 32 counties. Would that be correct? Yeah. I think I'm right in saying that. So, you, well, you'd imagine that that's, you know, that that lobby, that 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 vote could be hugely. I, I was amazed when I when I when I found out because I was digging obviously into the numbers this morning, but I was amazed that they had that amount of influence. Now, hopefully, for um, supporters of Proposal B, like myself and yourself, Willie, they have the right influence. But of course, I have to remember that the president of the current president, GA, is coming from an overseas background as well. So, if he's, you know, if he if he wants to be very strong about it, he's potentially been lobbying a couple of people as well that will hopefully vote in that favour. So, it is good to know that though, because there was a danger there. You're hearing a lot of people this week coming out, uh, you know, against Proposal B in that kind of way. So, that there's a kind of um, there's that daunting feeling that you know you're afraid that it's gonna it's gonna not gonna pass and maybe not gonna pass by a significant margin, but that that kind of when you see the numbers on the overseas vote and and you hear some of the sentiments coming out of some influential people this week, it's kind of veering it a bit in the other direction. So overseas have 38 votes, past presidents have seven. Then you have all the counties have different ones based off how many clubs they have, you know. So like I mean, it it is a big mix. Central council then have have some votes in around twenty. Um, I think Central Council is and that's kind of how it's split but there's been a lot of counties so far I think 13 counties have come out in favour of Plan B only two like I said Armagh and Fermanagh have come out um, publicly against it we have the four counties which are Kerry, Leash, Limerick and Waterford that are leaving it up to their delegates on the day now I don't know what to think of this like I mean it's really really disappointing um, in one way someone told me they're playing politics with their provincial council they don't want to upset them and then in another way you'd wonder are they worried about coming out against proposal B you know are they worried about backing proposal B I can't comprehend Connor, if Congress is supposed to be democratic and the process that's supposed to happen here is that club delegates go into a county board meeting, they take a vote, and the county come up, this vote, and democratically decide which way we're going to go based on the views of our clubs. And before the club delegate even arrives to the county board meeting, they have to have a vote at their own club level. And their club level committee member committee. Uh, members have to talk to their club members and see how they're thinking and it goes way way down now this never does happen Connor. That like this this true process <laughs> never happens 
but you know, at the very least, you would imagine if you're going through the, the democratic process, the county board takes a vote and the Congress delegate carries that mandated vote to the Congress and votes that way. The idea a county board would just defer to what the Congress delegate want on the day. I can't get my head around it. That's not democracy. Yeah. And and the excuse Leash used, which is my county, now I'd be confident enough the delegates in Leash will go with plan B. But at the same time, the, the excuse the chairman came up with, there might be amendments on the day. Like, I mean, you either you either think this is a good concept or it's not. There'd be no amendments on the day that is going to dramatically change anything here. But there's, am I right in saying then, Wooly, that there's no amendments, no amendments will be voted on? So, like, you know, what you have, what you have a proposal B, as it is now, is what you'll be voting on. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm pretty sure I say that and then it's voted in. Then potential amendments could be looked at. I think be, they might be talked about or raised from the floor on Saturday. But what you're actually voting on will be what you know about already. So, like, that, that seems to me, if, 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 I, if I'm right in saying that, that just seems like a weak excuse. And it also, I just think that... I think that stands by those counties. It's just very disappointing to me. Like, you know, it's just, as you said, there's a system that you work to, you know, and this is how you arrive on how you decide on your vote of Congress. So to just put it down to the individual whim, you know, of your delegate on the day, it just just seems a bit weak to me. And, and, you know, on the back of that, Willie, as well, is that, of course, the the vote, it's not transparent. You're not going to find out how, you know, which way everybody voted. And to me... I would fear then that because of that, because their own county boards have been so indecisive, you know, in not coming out either in favour or against, that the delegates themselves are going to be indecisive. And I would say that anyone that's indecisive going into a vote like this will just vote for the consensus or the status quo, you know, for yeah. fear of, you know, they, they'll say that they don't know enough about proposal B or what's going to come down the line, even though that, that to me isn't a valid excuse either. Well, well, the great thing about it is that the president and the director general, so Larry McCarthy and Tom Ryan have um, backed in, rode in behind uh, plan B. That was at a media briefing yesterday. And like, I mean, Larry McCarthy, like whether they're campaigning for this or not, they'll probably speak at Congress, you know, and if they speak, you know, for proposal B, they will swing those delegates that are going to make up their own mind on the day, you'd imagine. Larry McCarthy said, I said at Congress in February that I thought it should be, that we thought we should be bold in terms of considering this report. That hasn't changed. So I'd like to see us being bold in terms of our adoption to this report. Um, I would like to see it come in. If we have to tweak it, we will tweak it. I'm not immune to tweaking. If there's something not right with it, if something is not working, we'll definitely tweak it. Um, you know, like, I mean, I love that attitude. Like, let's bring this in, right? And if there's a situation where there's a little anomaly, like some people are complaining that there's only five out of Division One and not six, what's wrong with tweaking that? Now, I wouldn't be agree- agreement, in agreement with that. Or, you know, the situation where the Talton Cup, there's a serious anomaly uh, that will be tweaked. And this was an oversight, is that the, the Talton Cup members... The Talton Cup winners get promoted even though even if they had been relegated, which, you know, is just clearly silly and that seems to be an oversight. Mm. I had that wrong um a couple of weeks ago. Brian McAvoy actually had it right. These are little tweaks that can be ironed out, get it perfect and get it working well. But we won't know what to tweak without seeing it for for a year. Do you know? So I was impressed with Larry McCarty's attitude. I had him maybe pegged a little bit wrong, maybe a little bit opposed to change. But that's my always my attitude. This looks good. It looks exciting. Maybe it's not perfect, 
let's fix the imperfections, you know? Like, I mean, what's why, why would there be so much opposition to, to that? Yeah, I think I think it's really important that he said that, um, Wally, as well, because the, the attitude that I'm detecting amongst a lot of people that are opposed to Proposal B was that, well, if this comes in, well, then that's it. Do you know what I mean? As yeah. in that, well, that, it, that it can't be changed down the line. I was... Um, I was reading John Prenty there. John Prenty, obviously Secretary of the Connacht Council, Mayo man as well. And he kind of, he used an analogy. He said like, it's, you know, it's like an architect telling you there might be a problem five years down the line, you know. So if it's going to be a problem why, five years down the line, why, why not fix it now was his kind of attitude. Do you know what I mean? So if Proposal B is going to be a problem down the line, why not fix it now? But the thing about this is if the, if the debate about this whole thing is shown as Anton and such, you will never, ever arrive on a perfect solution, ever. You know, like the, there's not one catch-all proposal that's going to satisfy every GAA fan or every Congress delegate. That's just the way it is. But like what we have now is something that we can work with that, in my opinion, as an advocate of Proposal B is better than the current system. So use that as your start, starting point. Use Proposal B as your starting point and tweak it rather than use the status quo. And, you know, that we've been trying to tweak for ages and still hasn't worked, in my opinion. So yeah. when you're hearing this, you know, it's Larry McCarthy saying this. It's not anybody. It's the president of GA saying, if this is not working, we'll tweak it. That should put the, you know, put to put put some minds at rest that think that if this is coming in next year, that's it, and you can't, that's it, and there's no changes to it. If it's not working, make those changes and make it work. So, like to, to hear him come out on that, and just to hear him talk about, it, I know he said it previously about being bold, but bold is the word here. Do you know, bold, be ambitious. Change is needed, so be, you know. Take a risk and see what happens. Yeah, I think Prenty wouldn't build a house at all. That's probably what his solution would be. Um, <laughs> what's the story? What's the story with Mayo then? James Horan surprised me. I have to say, he came out speaking against it. Um, you know, a lot of these counties are, and you can't really blame them in a lot of ways. They're looking at their own self-interest and they're looking at their own self-interest as in what's going to happen me next year. They're not thinking of in 10 years time, we could be in Division 3, this would be, you know, what's better for the association across 32 counties? It all seems to be like Armagh voting against it. They've just got to Division 1 in the league. They have a chance of winning an Ulster. Next year, they don't, probably don't want this. They'd like to build on what they did this year. But Ar- what, Armagh, you've just come from Division 3. Do you know what I mean? Why can't Armagh think of the bigger picture? I don't want to be too critical. The, the, the sounds coming out of Mayo have been negative against it with Prenty and with, with James Horan. My word is that the Dublin footballers want it and the Dublin footballers have an easy route to the All-Ireland every year and they still want what's right. Kerry the same. I, I hear nothing out of Mayo. Not one Mayo player is saying has, has come out that I, that I have read. Maybe you can... Uh, uh, Maybe you can let us know about that. Darren Hughes from Monaghan has come out against it. And I can understand where Darren Hughes is coming from. He doesn't want to be sixth in Division 1 and not make the quarterfinals. You see, I can't understand this idea people want six from Division 1. If you have six qualifying from Division 1, for the last good few years until Armagh booked the trend, you've kind of had Kildare, Roscommon, you've had Cavan, Roscommon. The two in Division 1 that, that go back to Division 2 have been pretty obvious. So if people want this league-based championship to be, the league part to be a championship, there has to be a cutthroat element. So yes, at Monaghan or a Mayo or a Donegal or some big county doesn't get to the quarters. If you go with six in Division 1 getting through, well then a lot of these counties could, you know, could be decided two, two games before, you know, that they're going through. Whereas if you throw that fifth in there, it could, it could drag in third and fourth, you know, into that kind of fight for it. It completely goes against 
the league being cutthroat championship. And I think for that reason, six should not be allowed. But I'm wondering, is Mayo's concern being that sixth team in, in Division 1? And Mayo have been in the last two All-Ireland finals. Should Mayo even be thinking like that? No, well, when you kind of said it there, like self-interest was was the key. Um, well, when I'm looking, if I look, if I'm looking at this selfishly from a Mayo point of view, and to be honest, uh, as you've kind of hinted at, most people are looking at this selfishly, you know, purely in self-interest, and yeah. they're they're purely looking at it in terms of most recently, you know, and using the most recent years as a kind of a as a touch, you know, a starting point for what might happen in the next few years under current system, right? So if you're looking at Mayo been an All-Ireland final six of the last 10 years, right? Only one year Mayo didn't make an All-Ireland semi-final. So the system clearly works for Mayo. But that, that I'm, I still I still think the system clearly works for Mayo. I still think Proposal B is better for the championship as a whole. And I'd like to think more people would think that way. But even out that, so I've, I've heard no players from Mayo uh, come out um, either in favour or against it. Um, I did hear the James Horan interview kind of, you know, it didn't, really come out all guns blazing against it. You could but you could tell if he was asked to vote he wouldn't vote for proposal yeah. B. And the other one was Dermot Butler, who was the secretary uh Mayo County Board, and he basically used the comparison. He says, um, if the lead char- championship former is opt- adopted in its current form, Mayo can win the Connacht title and not compete for Sam Maguire. So he's using that as the provincial championships being standalone. But the main thing for me, how many times have we been struggling for league survival on the last day of the league? yet reached the final stages of the championship. That would not be possible. What Dermot is forgetting there is that like the league has been completely different for Mayo than the yeah. championship. This has been well documented. I mean, Mayo have had players based in, you know, based in Dublin that are, you know, not training with the rest of the team during the week, whereas for championship, you know, they make sure to train collectively. So it's not as if, like the, the circumstances are completely different, but yeah. I suppose and, the point and, is. And but Connor, Mayo try like thirty different players during the league. You know they wouldn't yeah, do exactly. that in the league <laughs> in the league championship. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. But but I suppose the overriding point is that that's that's why Mayo are looking at it. If, if you're asking me why Mayo are looking at saying no to proposal B, that's exactly why because they're looking at this. They're saying, well, we we get to all Ireland finals, you know, all, nearly all you know most years we get to all Ireland semi-finals nine times out of ten. Do you know what I mean? So that that that's why they're thinking about saying no at the moment. I would prefer a bigger picture, you know, saying, well, what's good for the championship as a whole? But the reality is, well, is that most counties, as you've hinted with Armagh, you've hinted with Monaghan, will be looking at this from a self-interest point of view. Yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely it. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, Mayo might make semi-finals, but like, other than a huge run through the qualifiers, this is the thing, Monaghan or Mayo. Right, and we're only talking about Division One here because this is where the issue with maybe the Mayo. I see it as a very defeatist attitude. Who says Monaghan can't get to the top five in Division One or mm. Mayo? Who says that there's literally not a kick of a ball between Mayo, Monaghan, Donegal, um, Tyrone, and these teams? I know Tyrone are all our champions, but like there's not. So why can't you make that top five? And if you don't make the top five after seven championship games, four of them at home. For some counties and three away, seven championship in midsummer. See, this is the thing I don't understand about Monaghan. You think Monaghan were making all Ireland quarterfinals every year? They're not. They're mm. not. They'll have seven guaranteed championship matches at home in Clonus, or four at home in Clonus, alternate years, and three at home on other years, and three or four on the road. They've had a brilliant summer if they don't get to the top five. They've had an unbelievable championship summer. 
and they, they just mm. might scrape in one year, they might not scrape in, and they'll have an all around quarter final in Crow Park. Monaghan don't aren't in the quarterfinals every year. But under under the old system and under the new system, I wouldn't back against Monaghan making the top five every second year, would you? No, no. I, well I, I suppose I'd be using I'd probably be using their league performance as a barometer more so than you know, and, and that's given what we just said about Mayo, that might be unfair. But my whole thing on that, Willie, is that like the amount of I don't think you can crib if you if you've seven championship games and you don't finish in the top five you don't deserve yeah. you haven't deserved to finish in the top five no. do you know what I mean and, and the the other argument that kind of bothers me maybe we will get to this is that like some people are saying now I, I get this to a certain degree right that like the bottom three teams in Division One you know won't be in a quarter final whereas the winners of um, the winners of Division Four will be in a preliminary um, quarter final under under the proposal B system right. But the, but the other thing is like well, but you're compared to compared to what you have now, do you know Donegal could get that, get knocked out by Tyrone in a preliminary round in Ulster, do you know as a but then if you look at that compared to the Munster Championship, Tipperary might get into a Munster final having beaten Limerick, do you know so like I, I think there's people have been coming out very strongly with that argument, whereas I think well if you compare it to the current system, the, there's flaws everywhere. I, th- I think they're just probably making too big a, too big a deal at that point. But I would go back to that and I'd say. I, I, I haven't liked that argument about the teams in Division 1 because that, to me, it, like, it's championship. If, and if you can't make the top five, the yeah. top five, that's not, you know, not even in the bottom half. You can be in the bottom half and still qualify for the latter stages. I, I, that, that, doesn't, that, that argument doesn't sit right. Yeah, no, me too. And look, I mean, if you're being fair to every county, you have to look at it relatively. And relatively, it, it, I would argue it's harder for counties to, to top Division 4 or top Division 3 than it is to come fifth in, in Division yeah. 1 for a Division 1 team. It's all relative. And that's what the interest of fairness and giving every county a chance to win Sam Maguire. Anyway, the merits of, of um, B have been discussed a lot. I'm just very interested in the politics of it, Connor, And it's so close. From people I talk to, it's very, very hard to call. Like, I mean, 60%. Imagine it gets 55 and we don't get this, you know, because some so-and-so <laughs> went his own way. And like, it's just so close that you just don't know. And all of the Ulster counties apparently, like, I mean, there was a meeting on Tuesday and all of the delegates were, were, were against, all of the Ulster delegates from all of the counties were against B. And the Ulster Council is putting a lot, a lot of pressure on individual counties of what's going to be filtered down and what they're going to get. So, like, I mean, the reality is unless delegates go rogue, and we always give out about them going rogue, but I'll take them going rogue if they're going, <laughs> if they're going rogue the way I want. Isn't that a terrible thing to say on me giving out about the, the politics? Like, but I mean, unless Ulster County, Ulster delegates go rogue, as it isn't mad, the Ulster delegates would be going rogue by following the mandate of their county board. Do you know what I mean? I it's, isn't, it, isn't it weird? Yeah, and not only that, I was reading this morning, Willie, that... Um, the Fermanagh manager has, um, Fermanagh are one of the counties that yeah. come out publicly against Proposal B and their manager is saying it's a no-brainer for that, you know, Fermanagh should be in Proposal B. So, yeah, no, it, it's a str- I think what you need to do, you need to turn up outside Congress on Saturday and start lobbying some of these lads, Willie, because it could <laughs> come down to, it could come down to that close. And like, what I'd love to see, even though I was just thinking about it now, is like, some said they, they should broadcast the countdown live. Yeah. Do you know, like, you know, as the votes come in, and you know, yes on one, or you know how you know have a pie chart or something with as as the votes tally and how close we're getting to the the magical one ten is it one oh nine or one ten yeah. I think, or, or the sixty percent I think because that would that be 
that'd be box office TV. And whenever you ever said the Congress is box office TV. Well, that's it. You were mentioning at the US presidential election, you said you were watching on CN. I was watching on Fox. So like, I mean, we were just watching two different, uh, two different, I'm only joking. But the, the thing is, I would watch if RT did a live uh, count of this. I would absolutely watch. It's 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 that big that you would like to know what it's like as the votes are being tallied or can we get to that magical, you know, 110 votes and get it over the line. I'd be interested to see who speaks at Congress. I This Congress, I could have got accreditation for it there and I, I, I don't know if I'd have the, the patience um, you know, to be there, and you know, you might. But I, I'd be very interested in watching or watching it live streamed. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. And it's like because it's a special, you know, it's a special Congress. You know what I mean? It's not. There's not going to be, with all due respect to people, you know, who go to congresses and maybe who like going to congresses. There's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of procedural talk that you know mightn't be the the most uh, kind of entertaining for everybody else. But I, I've, I've never seen as much. Um, I've never seen as much that I can know. Obviously, recency bias is, is a big deal. So maybe there has been before and I can't remember. But this is the most excitement about, a you know, a decision in the GA that I can remember for a long time, you know. So I, I'd like I, I'd say it's probably too late at this stage, but I'd say there's certainly scope to do some sort of um, CNN, Fox, whatever way you want it, Willie style, <laughs> style broadcast from Congress this weekend. Whatever your leanings is or whatever your le- your, <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. the leanings you're accused of having. Um, um, are. But that's it's it. Fox and the rest of the country is CNN. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. We'll wrap it up on this. This is why I'm so excited about it. I think I started in the media doing bits for Off the Ball 2011. Oh, before I even did that, I think it was 2013 maybe. I went on a GPA 2011. I was still working in the IFSC in finance. I went on a GPA committee and the committee in 2011 was to think up of championship reforms and championship restructures to fix this championship. Ten years, Connor, this is in the making. I can't even remember the the restructure I had at the time. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was an All-Ireland Cup. And, you know, even your own restructures kind of, you know, develop and, and get better as the time goes on, as you think about it more. So 10 years in the making to change the structure, to give inter-county players more championship matches, a better structure, a fairer structure. And it all boils down to between 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock on 11 o'clock and 2 o'clock on Saturday. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps already here thinking about it, Connor. I don't know what I'm going no. to do if it doesn't get through. I like, well, I was just about to, I was just, just, I didn't want to, do, to quell your enthusiasm now or Willie or anything like that, because obviously, listen, you've personal investment and you've pushed this harder than anybody, given that it is the Woolly Championship after all. But I would just, I would just hope that, because that, listen, there is a strong chance that it's not going to go through, but that like, you know, if it doesn't, that that's not the end of, you know, that we haven't stopped looking for solutions. That's to, not, that's not the end of the GA hour I thought you were going to say. Not, uh, not, not at all. The GR will, will live long and prosper. But no, that it's not the end of the GEA looking for solutions to, to the city. You've, you've, been, you've been on it, but you just said it there, Willie, 10 years, 10 years when it's been the constant source of discussion. To the extent that on the show, you know, you've said championship structures, we're not going to get into that because it's so, it's such a kind of thorny topic and so much has been said about it that you can't just talk about it all the time. So this is it. Listen, it's a seismic moment for the GA, but I do hope that if, if it doesn't go the way we want it to on on Saturday, that it's not the end of the discussion and that we'll continue to look for a solution that is better than, in my opinion, what we have at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Great stuff, Connor. Thanks very much. We'll leave it there and we will be back. Um, Monday is a bank holiday. I think we'll be back on Tuesday with a show and we'll have a look back on Congress and everything that happened in that. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. 
But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cover you, a free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs>